Alrighty folks, welcome into another brand new edition of the 901 Soccer Podcast. I'm your host, Lawrence Dockery. You can find me on Twitter at LDoc93. You can find the 901 Soccer Podcast on Twitter at 901 Soccer Pod. And you can find us on Facebook as well. That's facebook.com slash 901 Soccer. Uh, Going to be recapping Saturday night's game, Memphis 901 FC game against North Carolina FC. Give you my thoughts on that, kind of the run-up to it, how it played out, and post-game reaction. Uh, and this will be the probably the last uh, post-game pod uh, for a little while, as we're going to be, I'd say, probably just about a month before we have another home game down at AutoZone Park. So that's uh, kind of a, a, a going to be a depressing gap there. But let's go ahead and just jump right into it. Uh, Memphis 901 FC Saturday night falls to North Carolina, final score of 2-1. to one. Uh, Memphis went up 1-0 in the first half, and then, as is re- it's really, it's it's almost expected at this point. Uh, what can it, it happened? It's continued to happen, and I don't really see any reason why it's not going to continue to happen. Is Memphis giving up a late goal just before halftime, and then giving up a goal just before the end of the game? If it's happened once, it's happened a dozen times. And I'd my and if I had to set the over under at a dozen, I'd probably have to bet the over, because this is not something that is new. It's not something that we haven't seen before. Is it's it's incredibly frustrating. And a couple of the players after the game, uh, Marcus Epps and Liam Doyle, uh, chief among them, said it's it's incredibly frustrating to get as close to scoring as they have. Marcus Epps in particular is, I believe. Uh, right before North Carolina got their first goal, he rang a header off the post off a corner kick, uh, which immediately followed a pair of great saves by Tambak- Tambakis, Tambak- however you pronounce his name, in goal for North Carolina. And after the game, Marcus Epps said that they were feeling good about the first half until North Carolina scored and then said that it's a super frustrating to get close to scoring like they did and only hit the post and then immediately give up a goal at the other end. And Liam Doyle, after the game, even said that uh, you got to play well for the full 90 minutes. That's, um, I guess that's really a no-brainer, but it, I guess it needs to be repeated. And he added that it's about managing moments, and you have to have a mentality to close out a half and close out a game. And I hate to have to say this, but there's really no evidence to suggest that Memphis has that mentality. It sucks. I don't like it. I'm not happy about it. I can't imagine uh, any of the players or any of the coaching staff are happy about it, but that's just the reality. This team can't close out. They can't do it. I mean, we've seen it happen against Indy. I think we saw it happen against Rebels, too. We saw it happen against, obviously, against North Carolina. We've seen it happen, I I don't know, uh, probably against Nashville. It didn't happen against Ottawa because we we pitched, uh, Caldwell pitched a shutout, and it didn't happen in any of the Open Cup games. But it's it's happened too many times. Late goals at the half, late goals at the end of the game, and things got rolling. And it was actually looking like it was going to pre- be pretty good. Uh, Coach Mook, we mentioned after the game, it did start to show that this was the third game the team played in seven days, and normally. I don't particularly buy into a fatigue argument normally, 
Like, for how, how many times uh, when the Grizzlies are absolute garbage do we have to hear, oh, it was the second night of a back-to-back, -back, or it was the third game in 19 days, or, or you know, st stupid excuses like that. Because, you know, the Grizzlies are the, are the only team that has to play back-to-back uh, -back nights or X games in a few amount of days. Um, this actually, though, for Memphis, for 901 FC, was the St. Louis. You had uh, the Pittsburgh game last Saturday, which they just got absolutely shelled, and there's no point in going on about that. Then they went up to St. Louis, which was a game that had been canceled and postponed, postponed and rescheduled after, I think it was, what, early June, maybe late May, where they went to St. Louis and there was severe weather, so they had to reschedule it. So I'm not going to fault Coach Mulqueen for bringing up three games in seven days when you look at the schedule, and this wasn't, August 6th was not originally supposed to be a game on the road. It was originally supposed to be June 1st, bad weather, got to move it to somewhere else on the calendar. But they went up there, and they played reasonably well. Uh, Cam Lindley got sent off, unfortunately. Uh, but they were able to get a nil-nil uh, draw. And then you get get home. You're playing North Carolina. You're playing a North Carolina team. As a matter of fact, their manager is Dave Sarachin, who I'm sure some of you will remember was the U.S. interim manager for a year uh, after Bruce Arena resigned and before the almighty, powerful, and wise Greg Berhalter got hired. Uh, Sarah Chan didn't do too terrible of a job. His record, not great. Three wins, five losses, four draws with the U.S., but he actually ran out and attempted to play the young players and develop the youth, guys like Tim Weah, Josh Sargent, uh, you know, not Michael Bradley, not Josie Altador, not Jossie Zardes. Uh, but anyway, I digress. Uh, so he's done a very good job with North Carolina this year. And a guy that's had club experience in MLS, now he's in the USO, he's got international experience with the US, so it was going to be a tall task for Memphis. But they came out guns blazing with their hair on fire, and they looked really, really good, I thought, in the first half. And that was pretty much the consensus among uh, the media. So I was a little bit surprised in postgame when Coach Mulqueen said he thought they were lucky to be 1-1 going into halftime. Um, because I'd say the lion's share of the chances went to Memphis. I mean, you had that, like I mentioned earlier, you had that flurry uh, right around probably the 30-minute mark where there were five or six solid chances that either required worldly saves or shots ringing off the post. I know Adam Najem had one that just went over the bar by about a millimeter. And Memphis did take the lead. They went up 1-0, and surprise, surprise, it was Brandon Allen. I think that that's probably been the best in-season signing so far is because uh, his first couple of games was a little kind of tough sledding, but since then, I'd say the New York game, the Ottawa game, and the North Carolina game, I think he scored in all three of those. I know he scored against North Carolina, obviously got the only goal. Come to think, I, I think the Ottawa game, he got to fi he was the final Memphis player to get a touch, but they gave that's right, they gave the Ottawa player an own goal. But it was Allen that got the final touch coming off a corner kick. And I believe, he, yeah, he got the opener against uh, Red Bulls, too, as well. So that's like three straight home games where Brandon Allen has been kind of the guy in the penalty area making things happen. Two goals and probably should have had another one, but they gave an own goal. But he was the last Memphis player. So colloquially, we'll say he's got three goals. But, 
he gets the opener, and Memphis kept the pressure on. You know, we've seen sometimes this year where Memphis will get a goal and kind of back off and sit back, and that wasn't the case against North Carolina. And then just the fourth official hadn't even put up the two minutes for added time at the end of the first half, and you, um, I, I missed the goal because I was looking at the fourth official trying to see what the added time was, and then all of a sudden you hear the collective groan in the stadium, and I look, and the ball is trickling around in the goal. And I'm sitting here going, oh, that's probably not a good one. And then you look up and see the replay, and it was maybe the weakest, most lame bicycle kick attempt ever, and it still went in. And that's going to be one that I think Jeff Caldwell is going to want back. I mean, right through, the, right through his legs, right through the five hole. I mean, I, it, it's... You can say it was a howler, I guess. He's really doing basically what he's supposed to, which is make yourself big, which is how you end up with a gap between your legs. And whoever the North Carolina was, attacker was that was right there, I think his presence altered Caldwell just enough to the fact that he, I guess, maybe just took his eye off the ball. Maybe it took a funny hop. Really, at the end of the day, it didn't matter. The ball went in the back of the net, and it's 1-1 just before the half, and it's... Uh, here we go again. But then the first, I'd say, 25, 30 minutes of the second half was fairly evenly matched. I don't think anybody had too many real clear-cut chances either way. And uh, I want to give Coach McQueen some credit here because he wasn't content just to sit and hold on for the draw because he took Abdi Muhammad off and brought on Lagos Kunga. And that's a very attack-minded substitution when it's tied and you're taking off a defender and bringing on uh, a dude who's lightning in a bottle on the offensive end of the field, Kunga makes things happen. Unfortunately, he didn't really make too much happen against North Carolina. And then you get close to the end, and it's this, you're in the 80-somethingth minute, and it's really a tale as old as time. Like I've said, I don't really want to beat the horse to death here. Uh, the team's doing a good job of that for me but you can't keep checking out before the final whistle you, ju you just can't and it's you know i mean we're talking five minutes from time and al, al badawi i think it was for north carolina completely unmarked 25 yards out from goal you could have probably driven a tank between the gap and him, between him and the closest Memphis defender. He could have stood there and lined up a putt like he was on 18 at Augusta to win the green jacket. He had that much space and time, and he just let it fire, and I thought Caldwell was going to get to it. He was at full stretch. He was in midair, arms all the way out, and I thought he was going to get to it, and it was just a perfectly placed shot. And I don't think anybody was going to save that. And it's 2-1. to one. And and it's just, you could just see the collective heads go down. They're like, Ugh, again, with this, again. Coach McQueen uh, made one final last gas substitution, brought on uh, Jochen Graf uh, right after the goal. Nothing doing. North Carolina wins 2-1. to one. Um... I don't really know what else to say other than that. It's If we get a couple of results to bounce our way here or there, we go down to Birmingham and get a win. 
you know, defend home turf the rest of the way. I think we've got maybe five or six home games left this year. You maximize points at home, get a couple of results on the road. You're in the thick of the playoff picture. But the reality is this team's won four league games all year. Four wins, 11 draws. Four wins, 11 losses, seven draws. So basically what we need is them to win more games at home the rest of the way than they've won all season. I don't think that's going to happen. What I think best case scenario is that we can hope all the way through the end of the season they're still mathematically in playoff contention so that everybody doesn't just mail it in and check out and go home. I hope I'm wrong. I've been wrong before. I'll be wrong again. I do hope I'm wrong. But I don't necessarily think that I am. That's why I said it. But other than that, uh, other things about the game, you had Gary Parrish from 92.9 doing the guitar smash, and I think he did actually a very good job. Um, he actually... It took him a couple tries to completely explode the guitar. Uh, he TKO'd the amp which i thought was fantastic just whacked it i think the amp took more damage than the guitar did on the first swing and then after the guitar was in the appropriate number of four million little pieces he did a flip like a bat flip appropriate given that it's a baseball stadium but he flipped the guitar and i thought that was glorious i think everybody's done uh the, the big names that they've gotten to do the guitar smashes this year i think have been all done a very good job gotten people fired up uh Attendance was good, again. Uh, somebody had actually asked us on Twitter if the, the announced attendance Saturday night was 7,006. And uh, somebody had asked if that was a little bit lower than previous Saturday games. Now, on my spreadsheet here, I haven't been able to go back and look at what games were played on which days. The, I will say the 7,006 is a little bit higher than the average for the year. Uh, average for the year, now after the 7,006 against North Carolina, through 13 games at AutoZone Park, the average is sitting at 6,856 per game through the 13 games. Total attendance is at 89,125. That's, I believe, second among, second among expansion teams, and I believe that's top five among teams in, the, in all of the USL, not just the USL Championship, but in all of the USL. I could be wrong. If I'm wrong, please let me know. Uh, but that's, uh, the, the support is there. There's no arguing that at this point. It's, I mean, you've got how many? 13 home games, plus the two at Mike Rose, which are both very good crowds. You had a friendly, you had an Open Cup game, and 11 USL regular season games. And now you got six home games the rest of the way, four in the month of September. And there was a little bit of discussion uh, at Brass Door prior to the game about, for those September games, is there any overlap with an, any other uh, sporting events in Memphis going on at that time? First thing is that I don't think that would necessarily matter too terribly much because... We've seen Memphis draw some outstanding crowds at home this year while the Grizzlies have been playing just a couple of blocks away. Uh, we saw last year on 901 Day for the Colorado Rapids, Tulsa Roughnecks, Colorado and Tulsa 
exhibition game at AutoZone Park while the Memphis Tigers had their football home opener, and there was a sellout crowd at AutoZone Park. So I don't think that there's going to be a ton of overlap. I don't think it's going to cause any problems, but it could. And as far as I'm aware, it doesn't look like there are, at least through September, there are any 901 games on the same day as Memphis Tiger football games. I don't think. So that's, that bodes well going forward for both entities, really, because let's face it, as much as Memphis loves to say they'll always support a winner, they ain't supporting that football program. That's attendance has gone down for three straight years. So it would be mutually beneficial to both 901 FC and to the Memphis Tigers football team if there's no other competition going on at the same time. Uh, but other than that, I think that's probably going to wrap it up. Oh, one more thing I did want to add is somebody hit uh, John Varlis from the Daily Memphian, I believe, asked uh, Coach McQueen how he feels the new signings have been integrating themselves into the team, how they've been doing, guys like uh, Marcus Epps and Liam Doyle and Pierre Da Silva. And Coach McQueen says he thought uh, those three all played a really good game Saturday night against North Carolina. And I think he's right. Uh, I, what I liked, Marcus Epps picked the ball up and went at people. I really liked that. Liam Doyle seemed to be a pretty solid rock in defense. I remember there was one play in the first half where a North Carolina player had, was in on goal, and Doyle didn't really do too much to, to, to stop him other than just being there, and the guy just ran smack into him and fell down, which, which was hilarious. And, of course, immediately gets up and starts screaming for a penalty, and the referee just laughed in his face, which I also thought was glorious. Um, but I think that's probably going to do it here for us on this uh, depressing post-game recap. Uh, thanks, everybody, again, for listening. Thanks for continuing to show up and show your support for 901 FC. I'm Lawrence Docker. You can find me on Twitter at LDoc93. Find the 901 Soccer Podcast on Twitter at 901 Soccer Pod. Find us on Facebook. That's Facebook.com, and we are 901 Soccer over there. Thanks, everyone, again for listening, and we will talk to you next time.